Lalo, THR here. What's going down, everybody? I hope you're doing fantastic. This is a late night episode here. I'm recording at it precisely 11.38 p.m. here in sunny SoCal. Um, I just finished watching AEW Double or Nothing 2023 in its entirety. And you're going to listen to me reacting to each match. I recorded my instant reaction upon viewing each segment of the show. And you guys are going to notice... That in the beginning, um, I'm pretty sour, okay? I'm going to be very, very whiny, very complainy. I nitpick a lot. So I'm just giving you the heads up because I'm an AEW loyal. I love AEW. I want to see this company thrive, survive, and do what it do. (laughs) I want to see this. I'm trying to be Max Caster right now. I want to see this company do big things, man. And, um... You know, the first half of this pay-per-view was not very good. And that's being very nice. That's being generous. Not a very good show in the beginning. But there are three matches in particular that really upped this pay-per-view back up to AEW standards. And you'll know exactly what matches those are when I get into it. Um, guys, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Lalo underscore THR. I got to get back on Twitter, though. I haven't been tweeting nothing or replying to anything. I, I got to be more active. But you guys can follow me there as well as on YouTube at Lalo underscore THR. You could just type in the highlight reel, T-H-A, highlight reel. Um, this is an audio-only podcast, but in the YouTube portion, it's... Uh, submitted as a video where you can make comments um, feel free to give me any criticism suggestions uh, whatever you want to say make your voice be heard I do believe in freedom of speech um, I don't necessarily believe in hate speech though but hey if you want to if you want to give me some hate go ahead uh, <laughs> this is an audio only podcast like I mentioned so this is available on Spotify Apple Podcasts and in most places where you find your favorite podcast this is the highlight reel and again lalo underscore t h r that's l a l o underscore t h r that's where you'll find me instagram twitter i don't have a facebook probably never will have a facebook again um that's just the way the the old mob flops i i'm not down with facebook like that um but oh same thing with tiktok same thing with TikTok. I do not have a TikTok. Never had one. And don't think I ever will have one. But you can find me on all the platforms that I mentioned. I hope you guys had a fantastic day and are having a fantastic night. Um, wherever you may be listening, just know I greatly appreciate you. So enjoy the show, guys. And uh, let's do what it do. AEW Double or Nothing live from Las Vegas, Nevada. The show popped off with Orange Cassidy defending the International Championship in the 21-man Blackjack Battle Royale for the strap. And let let me just say, uh, before I even get into the match itself, when did Orange Cassidy become the main character for AEW? Like, he, this guy is the face of the company right now. This guy is being booked like, you know, Roman Reigns... Uh, two mid two thousands. John Cena. I mean, when did this happen? And, and this is something that I failed to talk about, but it has been on my mind because for the past several weeks, it feels like for the past several months, really, it it seems like Orange Cassidy 
has been front and center, man. If he's not opening up the show defending his championship, then he's on the card somewhere defending it and winning clean over some some major hosses as well. And um, my, my question is, is, is the purpose of Orange Cassidy being pushed like this, is it because he is going to be the guy that feuds with MJF next? Because if that's the case, then I could see why he's receiving the push of a lifetime only if he's next in line to try to become a dual championship holder and face off against MJF. Because otherwise, I do not understand Tony Khan's boner for Orange Cassidy. <laughs> I'm just going to put it like that because this dude... And I respect Orange Cassidy. I'm actually one of the few people um, that have defended him in, in the past and have said I, I respect this guy because despite his goofy gimmick, he can go, man. He's a, he's a real athlete, this guy. He's a real athlete, and he's uh he's good at what he does. Uh, you know, people have gave given him a lot of shit over the years for his goofy gimmick, um, but the guy can go. So I respect him in that regard. But should he be, you know, destroying everybody, defending the title? I mean, overcoming twenty one, uh, you, you know, or twenty other su- uh, superstars, twenty other AEW performers. To retain his championship. I don't think so. I don't think that's the right call. I think I really feel like this match should have been. Where Orange Cassidy dropped the title. It makes sense. Because one man you know beating 20 other guys in a battle royal is ridiculous. You know I mean it would be ridiculous for a big monster like Brian Cage. Even let alone someone like Orange Cassidy. Who like I said is a great athlete. But he's not a giant. He's not a Roman Reigns type of cat. You know what I mean? Come on, his gimmick is that of a slacker. And uh, yeah, like I said, the, the only way this makes sense to me is if he's being primed for a big program with MJF um, in the not too distant future. I mean, people are already questioning what's the next move for MJF. We'll get to that in, in, in later on, but uh, again, man, big takeaway for this for this bout, uh, Swerve Strickland. He better be the anointed one, though, after this. He, sh- he should feud with Orange Cassidy, and he should be the one to take the title off of him. And he should have a major push, overcoming odds and stuff in, in, a, in a heel fashion. You know, being that, that rude and crude heel, man, that everybody wants to see lose and doesn't. Holds on to that title for a minute. Me, personally, I think a better... A better uh, candidate though to take the title off orange cassidy in this battle royal would have been roosh and roosh wasn't even in it at least i don't remember seeing him in it if he was but roosh beat the brakes off of jungle boy who who was in the co-main event of tonight's show oh well last night's show rather but um yeah man uh you know roosh i think this would have been perfect for him imagine if uh, Orange Cassidy overcame the odds, eliminating you know the other participants, and the last guy he had to face off with was Roosh, coming off of that crazy beatdown, uh, you know, <laughs> beating down Jungle Boy, it would have it would have heightened the tension. And then when Roosh captures the international strap by beating the brakes off of Orange Cassidy in this match, I think that would make sense. But it didn't happen. 
Instead, Orange Cassidy beats everybody. Um, but Swerve Strickland had a standout performance. Um, and pretty much his whole program with Keith Lee was the only story of this match, really. Besides, you know, the best friends coming in clutch for Orange Cassidy throughout the match. Um, Big Bill. <laughs> Big Bill W. Morrissey. Um, I don't know who came up with the name Big Bill. Um, but this guy... Uh, if he could get a job, I should get a job, man. Because <laughs> I don't know who came up with Big Bill. But that's 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 not working for me, brother. Um, yeah, uh, W. Morrissey. He had a nice performance as well. He looked fantastic in this match. He looked very imposing and looked like a candidate to win the whole thing. you know. But it didn't happen as well. Nonetheless, Orange Cassidy retains the international championship. And it remains to be seen where he goes from here. I'll just reiterate one last time. I really think the only way all of this makes sense is if Orange Cassidy is being primed for MJF. Um, you know what I mean? But otherwise, none of this makes sense, man. For him to be destroying everybody like this um, and coming out unscathed. You know what I mean? He, he he had supposedly injured his hand. He didn't sell it. He he retained the title and didn't sell his, his alleged injury to his hand. Um... I don't know. Those are just some observations of mine. Let's move on to the next match. Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho in an unsanctioned match. Let me just say something real quick. Almost two years ago now, during the labors of Jericho's storyline, Chris Jericho, MJF, back when Jericho was working babyface, during his inner circle days, that match against MJF, if Jericho loses, he would have to end his career. He would have to retire. Now, I got into it with a friend of mine um, because I thought it was perfect. I thought Jericho should have been retired then. Um, and the main reason is because I don't want to see Jericho end up tarnishing his legacy. Kind of like Undertaker, you know? Undertaker, as respected as he is, he tarnished his legacy in the later stages of his career. And that's that. I don't want to see that happen to Jericho. My friend, of course, disagreed. He told me, hey, Jericho, he's he still got what it takes. He's shown that. He's proven that. He's still performing at a high level. He should have at least another good two-year run before hanging him up, blah, blah, blah. But this match here, fast forward to 2023. This match here with Jer Jericho and Adam Cole in the unsanctioned bout, this match perfectly, perfectly um, exhibits why I wanted Jericho to retire those those uh, year and a half ago, whatever it was, against MJF. This is what I don't want to see from Jericho. I don't want him to tarnish his legacy. And, and you know, I'm not just talking about this match specifically either. Um, th th you know, this match is a perfect example of why I wanted him to retire two years ago. But also just the overall booking of Jericho lately with the whole JAS stuff, which I got to be honest, guys, the JAS faction, it hasn't really taken off for me. It really hasn't. Uh, you know, I've, I've tried to like them. I've tried to get into them. They're, they're doing nothing with Daddy Magic, that dude is a meme machine. They should be pushing 2.0 in the tag division. Matt Menard and um, the other cat. 
short-haired dude. They should be getting pushed right now in the tag team division. They're wasting them away, especially Daddy Magic. That dude is incredible, man. He is hilarious. He is a walking, living, breathing meme, bro. And AEW is doing nothing with them. They're squandering away just doing ads for DraftKings or whatever. And it's it's nonsense. These guys instead should be close to challenging for the tag straps instead of Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. And I and I like Jeff Jarrett. I'm actually one of the few people who have defended him, um, you know, in his in his debut in AEW and everything. I think Jeff Jarrett's a real OG. He's a hustler and a veteran, and he can really help elevate AEW in a lot of ways. Um, but wrestling is not really one of them. Although I don't mind seeing him, but the fact that in 2023. When AEW's tag team division was the hot, the hottest tag team division on the entire planet just a year ago or so. And in 2023, we're, we're defending the tag straps to Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal with Sanjay Dudd and Satnam Singh in, in tow. That is something I cannot understand. And the JAS, it, it has served no real purpose all it's doing is they're just recycling matches and uh, recycling storylines, angles between JAS, Jericho, and, and other people that he feuds with, like Ricky Starks and whoever else. You know, they, they just recycle stuff. And I really feel like Jericho is beginning to tarnish his legacy with stuff like this. This match was not good at all, guys. Chris Jericho and Adam Cole is, was not good. There was a spot in the match where Adam Cole got a big old fire extinguisher when Jericho had him in the walls. And the, the, the spot called for Adam Cole, obviously, it called for him to ignite the fire extinguisher into Jericho's face. But he couldn't get his hand around the trigger to the fire extinguisher. And there was a moment where Jericho was literally staring at the fire extinguisher valve. Just staring at it, waiting to get sprayed with that shit. That must have lasted at least a minute and a half. It was so ridiculous. Um, it just it wasn't a good match. It, it really wasn't a very good match. And the way it ended, it, it deflated the crowd completely. You know, I've been hearing people complain about the crowd in this pay-per-view. And, you know, it's for me, it's one of those things where you can't really blame the crowd if they're not getting anything to get hyped over. You see what I'm saying? The crowd actually hasn't even been that bad. Um, full transparency, I'm actually watching the show um, barely two days removed from the from the pay-per-view and I'm reacting to each match. Uh, so I haven't I haven't actually finished watching the pay-per-view yet as as I'm recording this segment right here. But I can tell you um, right off the bat that the crowd has not been that bad from what I've heard thus far. Um, and the way Jericho, Adam Cole ended, though, it's going to deflate any crowd. I don't care where they're at. Las Vegas, they could be in uh, Chicago for all I care. Any ending, any any city they're in, if a match ends like that abruptly, it, it's, it's going to... And, and, it, and it didn't even look good. Like Adam Cole was just throwing these fake ass punches at Jericho. They, they did not look realistic at all. That did not look like a man who was enraged, wanting to kill this guy. 
they didn't look like that. Jericho had a little cut under his eye, and that was enough for Aubrey Edwards to ring the bell. And meanwhile, we've had guys go through fucking barbed wire. We've had guys literally go through shattered glass. I, I think we're going to see that actually later on in this same show. Um, I've already, I've, I already know the results, guys, but I'm reacting to all this live in full effect. But, you know, we come on, man. We've seen guys absolutely mutilated. John Moxley has mutilated himself on live TV and right in front of the camera. But you mean to tell me a little ass cut underneath Chris Jericho's eye while Adam Cole throws the fakest looking punches I ever seen. That's enough for the referee to wave the match off. Technical knockout. That is ridiculous. And this is not what I want to see from Le Champion. The all-time great Jericho. This is not what I want to see from him. And it looks like this feud is going to continue. And, and I got I to gotta be honest. I give zero fucks about this program. Um, you know, I kind of cared about it in the beginning just because this program right here, Jericho Adam Cole, it felt very reminiscent of Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels back in the day. Because it's a similar story. For those of you that don't know, Jer Jericho idolized Shawn Michaels growing up. He, he tried to mimic him in the ring. And Adam Cole also did the same, but to Jericho. Adam Cole idolized Jericho. That His whole Adam Cole baby shtick, guess what? He got that from Chris Jericho. Um, you know what I mean? Jericho used to say baby and, and this and that. Uh, Adam Cole told him to in, in Jericho's podcast that he got that whole catchphrase from Chris Jericho. So they could have used that as a play on this rivalry instead of throwing Britt Baker in there, um, you know, as she gets hit with kendo sticks by the outcast. And then they release a stupid ass T-shirt of Britt Baker with a black eye, just her face on a t-shirt with a black... Who would wear that t-shirt? That's what I want to know. But any anyway, anyway, um, there's a lot of things they could have done with this rivalry. I, I had interest in it because it felt very reminiscent of Chris Jericho versus HBK. And they could have really elevated Adam Cole as AEW's version of HBK using this match. This was the perfect platform. And instead, they've created a really stupid, combobulated storyline with Britt Baker in the mix and, and the Outcasts and the JAS. And then you have this stupid, sloppy, horrendous match here. This is... Not what I want to see from neither Chris Jericho or Adam Cole, but especially Jericho, man. You know, this this guy is a world-class professional wrestler. He was, but I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to see him tarnish his legacy with the booking that he's been doing with his own character. We all know Jericho has creative control over his character. You know, his ideas, you best believe his ideas are very much so heard by Mr. TK. And this is not what I want to see. And it looks like I'm going to have to continue to watch it because it's going to continue. Adam Cole, Jericho. Adam Cole wins the bout via stoppage from Aubrey Edwards. A terrible finish and a, not a very good match overall. Not a very good match. Just just a, 
a lot of props, candlesticks, fire extinguishers, and Britt Baker made a cameo appearance. Soraya, Soraya made a cameo appearance, and it's just not not good, man. Not good. Let's let's move on to the next one. I gotta tell you, man. So far, not very good. Not very good. And I I know you know. AEW fans, I'm an AEW fan, but I can take constructive criticism. But a lot of AEW fans cannot accept any criticism towards AEW. But I gotta be honest, man. This pay-per-view thus far, I'm I'm three matches in already. I'm going into the 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 third match, the fourth match of the night here. And um I just finished watching F, uh, FTR defend the tag team titles against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. And I'm going to sound like I'm just whining and complaining and nitpicking everything. And I hate that. I hate that I, I sound like this. I really do. But I'm just keeping it real. This pay-per-view has been not very good thus far. This match was an overbooked, unnecessary mess of a match. We're talking about, you know, Sanjay Dutt's shenanigans, a referee bump with guest referee Mark Briscoe, who is absolutely being used terribly here. You know, coming off the heels of Jay Briscoe's passing, Mark Briscoe should have been one of the top pushed guys in the whole company. Instead, they have him mixed up in this garbage with Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and FTR. And I get it. He has a history with these cats, especially Jay Lethal. I get that. That's his bro and everything. But they could do better with Mark Briscoe, bro. He, sh- he should be the ROH champ right now, at least. Something. They could do way better with Mark Briscoe. They have him in this garbage. He takes a ref bump. Aubrey Edwards comes out like a moron. She get she also takes a bump. She gets a guitar shot to the head. And and why do we care? Why is anybody gonna care about Aubrey Edwards taking a shot to the head by a guitar? Like that, you know, is that was that supposed to make us gasp? Was that supposed to make us go, oh holy shit? Was that a holy shit chant moment? No, it was not. Nobody cares about Aubrey Edwards. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Um, you know, this match, I don't know why AEW insists on overbooking matches, man. Like, why couldn't we see Chris Jericho and Adam Cole in a regular singles match? Why couldn't we see FTR against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal in a regular tag team match with no shenanigans? Just a regular match. Instead, we have to overbook everything. Everything. It has to be overbooked. It has to be, you know... Props galore, ref bumps, run-ins, shenanigans. Abysmal. Abysmal is, is the only word I could think of. And, and you know, FTR retained the titles, of course, because anybody actually thought Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal were going to win the tag team titles. I, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. I don't even know what to tell myself right now because I, I just sound like I'm an AEW hater complaining and whining and bitching and moaning. But I'm not. Believe me. I love AEW. But um, this pay-per-view has been pretty bad, man. I got to be honest. This pay-per-view has been pretty bad thus far. 
So that's all I got to say about that. Um, FTR, hopefully they move on and they bring some prestige back to the tag team titles, um, which have seemingly taken a backseat to the trios titles, it seems like. Um, you know, AEW had one of the hottest tag team divisions in the whole world, man. Not too long ago. They give they gave the acclaimed a big push after they fucked up. And, you know, the acclaimed got the pop of a lifetime they were as hot as ever you know um and then they they put the straps on them after they had lost at the pay-per-view and then they dropped the titles to the gun club which was the most random ever moment right there in the tag division for the gun club to suddenly become the tag team champs and and we didn't even get to see Daddy Ass turn on the acclaim and join his sons, the Gun Club, which that would have made sense. It's logical. It's logic. It it, it you know I don't man I don't know bro <laughs> I don't know what to say anymore. Yeah, hopefully the FTR man they keep they keep grinding and they they bring some level of prestige back to those titles. Hopefully the acclaimed. Also bounce back. Um, I, I, I really kind of think at this point, maybe they should split and Max Caster should go solo dolo because that that guy right there, you know, he, he has a lot of charisma. He's not too shabby in the ring. He's, he's, he's getting better. Let's just say that. Anthony Bowens as well. Anthony Bowens could be the utility guy, man, because he's a good worker to a degree. He can be the guy like, you know, that can put over other guys and also get some notable wins when need be. He could be the utility guy, and Max Caster should really get a nice push as a solo uh, performer if he's ready, assuming he's ready. I mean, if he's not ready, why why did y'all even put the tag straps on him then with Anthony Bowens? I don't know what this company is doing, bro. I don't know what Tony Khan is doing. But um, yeah, FTR go over. What what is, what in the world is Karen Jarrett doing in AEW, by the way? Who asked for this? Because it sure as hell wasn't me. Let's move on to the next match. And the overbooking continues with Wardlow defending his TNT strap against Christian in a ladder match. Because why not? Christian was known as a ladder match guy like 10 Two decades ago, I was going to say 10 years ago, more like 20 years ago. So fuck it. Let's let's book them in a ladder match because why not? You know, let's let's just overbook the shit out of double or nothing. Arn Anderson. Let, let me just say this. I like Arn Anderson. I have a lot of respect for his contributions to this business in and out of the ring. Four horsemen, one of the best spine busters of all time. But... He has no business being on camera. And I, I feel like the pairing of Arn Anderson and Wardlow was just Tony Khan being a mark and wanting Arn Anderson to be on camera in some capacity. So he, he put him together with Wardlow. This isn't to help Wardlow in any way because it doesn't. It doesn't help Wardlow in any way. It's not going to help him improve his mic skills or his presentation. It's, it's doing no service to Wardlow whatsoever. This is just Tony Khan wanting Arn Anderson to be on TV. And with Cody Rhodes out of the picture, the next best bet was Wardlow. Because why not? Arn Anderson bit the finger. <laughs> this sounds funny. 
This even sounds ridiculous, <laughs> me saying this. Arn Anderson bit the finger of Luchasaurus. And they put on some kind of prosthetic with blood. Looked like, like gore. You know, like if he bit his finger off. And Arn Anderson continued the rest of the match with a bloody mouth. It looked absolutely ridiculous. This was reminiscent to me of back in the day um, when Dustin Rhodes had a match with Malachi Black. This was like when Malachi Black first debut. I'll never forget it. Malachi Black did his, his Sin Eater roundhouse kick finishing move. And he didn't even connect the kick on Dustin Rhodes. It literally grazed his shoulder. But the camera cut away, and when it cut back onto Dustin, Dustin was pouring out blood from his mouth. And we clearly seen in the camera on TV that Malachi Black did not connect that kick to Dustin Rhodes' mouth. It hit his shoulder. It grazed his shoulder. That's what this reminded me of. Just utterly ridiculous. Arn Anderson biting the, the quote-unquote finger off of Luchasaurus, it looked like. I don't know what the point of this story is. I don't know what, what is this going to lead to. Luchasaurus, um, <laughs> I, I mean, what is this? <laughs> what is this? It's like a cartoon, bro. Like, like I'm watching an anime. This ain't even wrestling anymore. Wardlow wins. He does a swanton bomb off of the ladder onto a table because why not? You know, he, he is a, a noted Jeff Hardy fan, so I'll, I'll give them respect on that, I guess. Wardlow should not be jumping off of the rope. Certainly not a ladder, let alone. Um, but it is what it is. This is AEW's forte. Just illogical stuff, man. And Wardlow retains the TNT strap and on to the next one. Hopefully, um... You know, he can bring some prestige back to the TNT title if that's even possible at this point. I want to say this before I move on to the next match. Christian Cage has been doing some of the best work of his entire career as a mouthpiece, as a, as a talker. And I could totally see him in a managerial role whenever he officially retires from in-ring work. He is absolutely terrific. Terrific. I don't even use that word. <laughs> that just came out. That's, that's the best thing I could think of to describe Christian. He is terrific. He's tremendous. Let's move on to the next. This pay-per-view has been trash so far, guys. I gotta be honest. Alright, so I just got done watching the women's championship match between Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm, the challenger. Um, right now, as I'm recording, the... Uh, House of Black are making their way to the ring. And Julia, Julia Hart looks like she's wearing a sombrero. <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like, um, tapping out, guys. <laughs> I feel like tapping out, man. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to finish this pay-per-view. I didn't even spend money on this pay-per-view and I'm upset. Like, I, I want a refund and I didn't even buy this pay-per-view. I'm just watching it and I, I, man, I don't know what to say. Jamie Hayter drops the title just like that to Tony Storm. Of course, there were shenanigans with the Outcasts beating down Jamie Hayter. Britt Baker, you know, ran them off. But to no avail, Jamie Hayter working over some kind of injury. Apparently, there is a legit injury to Jamie Hayter, I heard. I, I actually did see a report that Jamie Hayter is legitimately injured. So this was a, a last call kind of deal to have her drop the title to Tony Storm because of said injury. But... Yeah, 
yeah, um, poor finish, poor finish. Jamie Hayter um, runs into the turnbuckle, just, just smashes her own face into the turnbuckle, and, and Tony Storm hits the pile driver. I think they call it Storm Zero for the pinfall victory. Tony Storm, uh, now two-time AEW Women's Champion. Two-time. And she's only been with the company maybe one year at the very most. I don't even think it's been a year yet that Tony Storm has been with this company. Let's move on to the next match. I might tap out, guys. I don't know how much longer I could take of this. Let me tell you. So thus far, Max Caster's rap, his little freestyle rap during his entrance. Not really a freestyle. You know, he writes that shit beforehand. But but the, the supposed freestyle rap that he does when he makes his entrance, that has been the highlight of this whole show so far. A fucking rap. A fucking rap from Max Caster has been the best part of Double or Nothing so far from everything that I've watched. And also thus far, I'll say that the House of Black trios match for the trios titles against the acclaimed and daddy ass has been the only match thus far that's actually felt like a match, like a wrestling match. No shenanigans, no run-ins, no props. No overbooking, just a fucking match, you know, with guys working in the ring, getting their shit in and getting to a climax and act one, act two and act three, all in the ring, all using physicality, facial expressions. And this is this is a match and the House of Black retain and they're showing why they are uh, all very talented guys who should be booked very strong. Um, at least when they're on TV, whenever they're on TV, they should be booked strong. Um, I do want to say, um, I think beginning since like two Dynamites ago or maybe three Dynamites ago, let's just say at the beginning of this month, they started doing this weird thing with the lights in the crowd whenever House of Black wrestle. Um, it's very reminiscent of like The Fiend. Whenever he wrestled, he had special lighting, that red light of doom. Um, and, you know, I thought this was really cool in the beginning when I first seen it initially, but this is going to get annoying to me. Like, I, I, you know, like if I if I'm constantly seeing something, even though it's cool, if I'm constantly seeing it, it's and it's out of the norm. I'm not going to enjoy it for much longer. I think they should do away with that and maybe maybe have those lights on only for pay-per-views or for big matches, maybe like when the titles are on the line. But every single time House of Black wrestle, they shouldn't have those lights on. You know, in the crowd looks like I don't I don't I can't even describe it like a lava lamp in the crowd, <laughs> but with black and white. It, it just it, it's a it's a nuisance to my eyes, um, and I I hate that I'm nitpicking. I know I've just been complaining nonstop. This is the first time I think in the history of this podcast that I've been covering AEW. Dating all the way back to full gear 2019. This is the first time where I'm just complaining nonstop throughout an entire show. You know what I mean? AEW, usually their pay-per-views are fire. But thus far, this pay-per-view has not been very enjoyable to me, obviously. <laughs> if you can't tell by now. Um, the House of Black, hopefully, um, you know, they add prestige to the trio's titles. I don't know what else to say. We'll see who else they got in line for the trio straps. In the meantime, the acclaimed, as I mentioned before, I already said it. 
Um, I don't know if maybe we're due for a split here between Max Caster and Anthony Bowens. Daddy as you know, I like Billy Gunn, man. I like seeing him on TV too. You know, it, 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 completely different from like An Arn Anderson or Jeff Jarrett to a much lesser extent, Jeff Jarrett. But um, D Billy Gunn, I actually like seeing him on TV. The dude is jacked. The dude is like probably one of the best physical specimens in all of AEW. And he's like in his late 50s, which is tremendous. But he should not be with the acclaimed. He should be with his sons, man, with the gun club. That's that. That's the only thing that makes sense to me as far as daddy ass is concerned. And the acclaimed should go their own way, man. That split should have happened um, in an alternate timeline. Billy Gunn is with the guns, with the gun club, and he's elevating his own sons. And the acclaimed are still in the tag division and doing their thing. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got to say about that. I hope the acclaimed can somehow bounce back, though. They were like the hottest thing a few months ago, man. And now they're a complete afterthought. Now they're in trios matches with daddy ass. It's just crazy, man. I, I don't know where they go from here. Only time will tell. But um, let's move on to the next match. A new era has begun in AEW. Because, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time since the inception of the TBS Championship, it has changed hands. And we have a new TBS champion, Chris Statlander. And this was a open challenge type of deal. But before I even get into that, let me just acknowledge Jade Cargill and Taya Valkyrie. They put on the best match of the night so far. And I cannot believe I just uttered those words. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jade Cargill had the best match of the nights thus far on an AEW pay-per-view. Double or nothing with Taya Valkyrie. La Buena Loca. And this is their apology. This is their redemption for their terrible match that they had on Rampage a few weeks ago. When Jade Cargill won with a, a real sloppy looking roll up. Taya Valkyrie just bent down and got lazily rolled up for the win. This was their redemption for that debacle. And they did a damn good job. My hat is off to them. I am so proud of Jade Cargill, bro, because she's improved and she's she's been booked strong and she just lost the TBS title and elevated somebody else and in good fashion. This is the best match of the night thus far for me and, and the best moment. Chris Stadlander comes out after an impromptu open challenge. They didn't actually, you know, say, oh, we, we challenge anybody to come out. No, Mark Sterling just said, oh, she's willing to defend the title anywhere, anytime, but there's nobody left. And then out comes Chris Statlander and a wild referee appears out of nowhere. You know, that's my only nitpick, actually, is they I, I would have wanted them to at least actually set a challenge. Like, hey, Jade Cargill, yeah, she just overcame Taya Valkyrie. Who's next? We want another match. Any any jabronette in the back. <laughs> want to come out and try to contest for the strap come on down no they didn't do that um but still i'm not gonna take nothing away though it, it was a nice moment chris statlander looks tremendous let me tell you right now chris statlander looks fantastic man great shape better than ever i'm glad she dropped the alien gimmick although i know that that's been that's been a thing that that ended already a long time ago i know but i'm just saying 
I'm just saying, generally speaking, I'm glad she dropped the alien gimmick. Now, now we just need Orange Cassidy to drop that slacker gimmick and and get more serious too. I mean, he's already being booked seriously. Like he's a, a world beater here, <clears throat> a world beater here who has a stronger Superman punch than Roman Reigns. He could probably beat John Cena in Tony Khan's world anyway. Orange Cassidy could beat John Cena and Roman Reigns in a handicap match. Bro, in Tony Khan's universe, Orange Cassidy could beat John Cena, Roman Reigns, Hulk Hogan, Prime Hogan from the 80s, Macho Man Randy Savage, and Undertaker in a five-on-one handicap match. <laughs> anyway, big ups to Jade Cargill, Taya Valkyrie, and of course, the new TBS champion, Chris Statlander. And I'm actually excited now. I'm actually excited not just for the TBS championship and what Chris Statlander could do with it and the different opponents she could have, but I'm excited for the women's division in general because I can't help but think what's next for Jade Cargill now, as well as Taya Valkyrie, for that matter. I think, you know, I still think my idea of Jade Cargill joining the AEW Originals, I, I think that's a great idea, honestly. Assuming that continues on to be a thing, I mean, Jamie Hayter is out with inner, with injury right now. Slot Jade Cargill into that shit. You know, have her do a crazy face turn. But I don't know what's next. I'm hearing reports that, or rumors, I should say, that Jade Cargill wants to take time off. Um, and, you know, more power to her. I think she deserves the time off. You know, she's been putting in work herself. You know, she's like the Orange Cassidy of the women's division. <laughs> Basically. Um, you know, she's not as good of a worker as Orange Cassidy. I'll, I'll say that, but, but yeah, man, I think Jade Cargill needs to be more appreciated. I really do. I'm high on Jade Cargill, bro. She's money to me. Um, I think she could be special in the women's division. Uh, but I, I'm, I've, I've lacked confidence now for a while in AEW's capabilities to develop stars and produce moments like that where someone like a Jade Cargill could be elevated to a whole nother level and carry a whole division on her back. So right now, I'm actually surprised because as I'm recording this, it looks like the Four Pillars 4-Way Championship bout is next. Why is this not the main event? That, you know, when you book a world championship match, the main title of your company, when you book that, and it's not the main event. It's like in the middle of the card or the co-main event. You know, you're just basically, uh, spoil. You know, spoiler alert. You're you're pretty much telling everybody, yeah, the title's not gonna change hands, so we're not gonna close the show with this match. And that's terrible because everybody knows that these days. You know what I mean? Everybody's privy to this kind of stuff. So even if the champion is gonna retain. A championship match, you know, the, it should always be the main event. Especially when you have the champion, the caliber of MJF. He should always main event, bro. Not co-main event, not be in the middle of the card. If you're going to put your world champion uh, on the card and he's not going to close the show, then he should open the show. He should open it. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, every wrestler will tell you that the best spot to be is either in the main event or opening the show. In fact, a lot of wrestlers prefer to curtain jerk, basically, to open the show because that's when the crowd is at their fever pitch. I mean, it, it's, it's, it makes sense. 
So I'm I'm confused why the four pillars match is actually happening right now. The guys are making their entrances. So I'm gonna go ahead and <clears throat> and and scout this match and I'm gonna come back with the review. So let's go ahead and get it popping, guys. I'll see you in the next review. The next match. And still the AEW world champ MJF. And and I gotta say, I'm just gonna come right out and say it, man. If MJF was not here right now in AEW, AEW would be suffering. They'd be suffering worse than they are without CM Punk right now if MJF wasn't here. MJF is really, truly the real MVP of AEW right now. You know, these are the type of matches that can make a pay-per-view worth watching in spite of it being lackluster, mediocre, underwhelming in the first half. And it's a shame that this is the co-main event. This should have closed more of a reason to close the show. Because they put on a classic, man. A classic. An absolute classic four-way bout. You know, four-way matches. They're trash, bro. They're not even good matches. When's the last time you've seen a four-way match and we're like, oh man, that's a that's a match of the year candidate. It's never happened. Four-way matches, they're they're very, very skippable matches. But this is the type of match that I would run it back. Like I, I actually, I actually might go out and purchase AEW Double or Nothing 2023 on DVD on AEWShop.com just for this match. It was that good. I loved how these guys paid homage to their mentors on the part of Jungle Boy. Um, no, not Jungle Boy, excuse me. On the part of Sammy Guevara doing the Walls of Jericho and Darby Allen doing the Scorpion Deathlock. Paying homage to their mentors being Chris Jericho and Sting, respectively. That was a beautiful, beautiful nuance that added so many layers to this matchup and to this program overall. Because you guys gotta read between the lines here. The, you know, the Four Pillars thing. And, and you know, it's been it's been a very... Um, let's say controversial program, you know, um, and I'll get to that in a second. I'll elaborate in a second what I mean by that. But if you read between the lines, this four pillars match makes so much sense because this is double or nothing. This is the first pay-per-view AEW ever put on. And the first four guys that have been representing AEW from the jump have been Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, MJF, and Darby Allin. And here they are, uh, uh, four years later, in the main event of Double or Nothing. The pay-per-view, the marquee event that began it all, so to speak, for AEW. You know, notwithstanding All In, of course, that happened before AEW was even a thing. But, you know, this is a homage to the four young studs who have been touted as to being the bearers for AEW for many years to come. This was their moment. This was their... Uh, this was them getting their flowers, let's just say. But with that said, the Four Pillars program, as it has been, has really haven't it hasn't done any favors for Jungle Boy. That's that's the first thing. Jungle Boy has been badly exposed in this angle. I gotta say, it had a lot of promise in the very first angle they did. Uh, MJF's rebar mitzvah. Jungle Boy was fantastic in that angle. You know, pie facing him, throwing him into the cake and all that good stuff. The promos they cut were good. But 
then as the weeks went on and Jungle Boy tried to cut similar promos, it wasn't working. He has this energy like he doesn't even want to be there. And I don't know if that's just part of his personality. Maybe he he should have uh, Orange Cassidy's gimmick. Maybe <laughs> you know the slacker that's kind of like he's he's he loves what he does, but he just doesn't really care that much. You know, as far as cutting promos and I don't know. I I don't know how to explain it. But Jungle Boy, he's his his whole vibe is just off, and he's been really exposed in this Four Pillars thing. And Darby Allen has been the standout. He's been the standout. But at the same time, even though Darby Allen has been the one cutting the best promos, and, and I really feel like, in a way, Darby Allen should have just had a one-on-one rematch with MJF for the title. Because he's been the standout here. But, with that said, Darby Allen's promos have all been very, like, co- copy and paste. You know, like this, like he's been saying the same thing every week. And then Sammy Guevara, he's also kind of been exposed because the way they booked him, they booked him like a tweener for this program, like an in-between. He's, he's, sometimes he's a babyface, sometimes he's a heel. Make up your mind. And, and when he tries to be a babyface, the fans automatically turn on him because nobody wants Sammy Guevara to be a babyface. Although I think that's probably going to change. I don't know. They they've everybody knows now. They've announced, you know, Sammy Guevara and uh, Ty Mello, they're having a baby. And major congrats to them. That's a beautiful thing. You know, they say when you have a baby, it changes you. And I think that that's it shows in this match because Sammy Guevara put on the performance of a lifetime. This dude was all over the place like a pinball in a pinball machine. Flying everywhere, doing, you know, shooting star presses and he even paid homage to Eddie Guerrero and did a frog splash. I didn't like that. (laughs) I I don't want to see Sammy paying homage to Eddie, bro. Keep Eddie's name out your mouth. But nah, man, uh, Sammy Guevara, big ups. He he really um, shined in this match. Holy shit. His performance was out of control. This kid is he's a young stud, man. Um, man, I wish I was young again. <laughs> That's all I got to say. When I see Sammy Guevara do the things he did in this match, I can't help but just wish I could have my youth back. <laughs> like I'm old as fuck. <laughs> but nah, man, MJF, Sammy, they really stood out in this match. Of course, Darby and Jungle Boy came in clutch. This was a fantastic match. That That one camera shot when they were all each in a submission hold. You know what I mean? Simultaneously in the middle of the ring. And the camera did this one angle where it panned out from the top. Man, that was beautiful, man. I got the chills, bro. You had the four pillars of AEW, man. The four young studs in the center of the ring all vying for the title. Fighting their hearts out. You know, this is professional wrestling. This right here is professional wrestling. This is what I want to see. Not no unsanctioned matches with Jericho and Adam Cole and Jeff Jarrett and, and Jay Lethal challenging for the tag straps and Karen fucking Jarrett and, <laughs> and all that stuff. This is what I want to see. No fucking 20-man battle royals, whatever. No, I don't want to see that. This is what I want to see. This pay-per-view has been a tale of two cities, man. Uh, you know, one city being the pretty much the entirety of the first half of the pay-per-view and the second city being this four pillars match. 
which wasn't even the main event. I don't know how this was not the main event. Makes absolute no sense to me. I don't know if maybe because, again, MJF wasn't going to drop the title, so they didn't want it to close the show. They want to send the fans home happy. I get that. That's booking 101. I get that, but this should have closed the show, man. I don't even need to explain nothing. This should have closed the show. When you got a match this good, the fans are going to go home happy. It don't, it don't matter who wins at that point. This was a damn good match. One thing I want to talk about before I move on to the main event, let's talk about Jungle Boy because he's had some controversy lately. Obviously, the all-in show going down in Wembley. Um, uh, apparently, a, a story surfaced last week that Jungle Boy was in the UK for a, a Q&A session, you know, question and answer, and he was on the panel. And British fans have reported that he had an attitude problem. Like, he was... He again, just like the way his character, like the way he cuts promos, it seemed like he didn't want to be there. And in fact, he didn't because a fan asked him something about the UK and this and that and how he likes it there and in the UK. And he said, oh, I don't. And I, I'm never going to come back here again or, or I don't want to ever come back here again after all in or something along those lines. And then also a, a fan asked jungle boy hey what do i gotta do to get into this business how can i become a professional wrestler uh, like yourself and jungle boy said don't don't do it you know like like just weird ass attitude problems that he had um and what's up with that and and there's speculation that maybe that's why uh (laughs) they booked you know rouge to beat the brakes off of him in that one match they had on dynamite last week um, you know, where Jungle Boy literally almost got killed <laughs> when Roosh did a belly to belly suplex off the apron. It wasn't Roosh's fault. Jungle Boy did not rotate all the way. He barely missed his fucking neck on the pavement, man. He barely missed it by like a hair. Um, cause he did not rotate all the way. So, um, I don't know if that's the case. I think it's just Roosh you know, getting himself over, and rightfully so, because, come on, man, Roosh is doing the job for cats like like Jungle Boy and whoever else. He should be pushed strong. In fact, I think Roosh should have been the one to win the international title, but that's just me, especially after that performance. Dude, come on, he had a match of the year candidate with Brian Danielson. It's not the first time Roosh whoops a ass. They know what he could do. They know what he's got. And he knows what he can do and what he's got. And that's why he's going to get himself over in matches like that with Jungle Boy. So I don't even think that was punishment. I just think, uh, you know, Tony Khan ain't going to book matches like that. He ain't like Vince McMahon. You know what I mean? He's not going to punish guys by having them get buried on live TV. He's not that kind of guy. That was just Roosh saying, man, I could beat the fuck out of Jungle Boy in a real-life fight, and they're really going to have me job to him? Nuh-uh. I'm going to get my shit in, dog. I'm going to get my heat, and I'm going to put myself over because I can, and there ain't a damn thing nobody can do about it. Then again, I guess there is something they could do about it because he was left off of this pay-per-view. Even though they had a fucking 21-man battle royal, he was left off the pay-per-view. Anyway... The Four Pillars match, guys. Match of the year, probably, most likely, perhaps. Um, for AEW, anyway. Match of the year, so far, already. Um, in, you know, Rush, Brian Danielson is, it comes close. That's a nominee. But I think this is going to take it. This was a fantastic match. 
two thumbs all the way up, even though this pay-per-view has been pretty mediocre, man. You know, it's it's been pretty... It, it, that That's putting it kindly, to be quite honest. I'm being generous by saying it like that, that this pay-per-view has been pretty mediocre. That's being generous. Um, so... Oh, MJF, what's he? What's next for MJF? That's the ultimate question. I mean, it's like I alluded to earlier on in the pod. I, I mean, at this point, they might as well have Orange Cassidy <laughs> step up to the plate and book him in a match with MJF because they're booking him super strong. You know, they had Super Cena back in the days in the in the mid two thousands. They might as well have Super Cassidy. And have him, you know, try to vie for the title against MJF. I got to tell you, you know, the, the, the major question that I have is who is going to be the one that eventually takes the title off of MJF? Because right now, as it stands, I got to be honest, they're really, truly, I mean, MJF will say this in his promos, but it's the truth. There really isn't anybody on MJF's level in AEW, bro. There really isn't. You know, CM Punk, not even that CM Punk is old. He's he's kind of past his prime and, and who knows how he's going to be received whenever he comes back, um, probably on that collision show. It's highly speculated. He's going to be the, the star of that show. So who is going to eventually take the title off of MJF? You know, I, I, I think it would have been nice if we could have a, a full coming full circle moment and it would have been Wardlow to be the one to dethrone MJF, former henchman there, but Wardlow he's got a lot of he's got a lot to do to bring himself back up to the the level that he once was, you know. Um he obviously he's still rocking the TNT strap, retained his title tonight and I don't know. Um I don't I have no earthly idea who is going to be the one that ultimately takes the title off of MJF in the end it's that's that's actually more interesting to me um than anything else going on in AEW is whoever takes the title off of MJF that's gonna be interesting whoever they go with um I suppose it could be Ricky Starks I suppose if they if they push him again and bring him back elevate him yet again um you know he's still a young cat but yeah, that's pretty much it, man. That that championship bout in a four-way. I cannot believe it. Uh, I cannot believe a Jade Cargill match was actually at one point the match of the night for me. And then now a four-way match is match of the year for me so far already. I could tell you right now. I, I've never looked at a four-way match in that type of esteem before. So big ups, man. All four of these guys, they uh, they left it all in the ring. And that was that was a fantastic match. That is professional wrestling. And now with that said, let's move on to the main event. Blackpool Combat Club, the elite anarchy in the arena. The main event of the dais. I don't know where to begin. <laughs> I don't know where to begin, man. Um, you know. The commentators happened to be sitting out in ringside and they proclaimed that this was the first time in AEW's history that they were seated at ringside, which that's odd to me because I could have sworn I've seen them sitting ringside before or at least some commentator, maybe the Spanish commentators or somebody 
sitting there at ringside before. But nonetheless, the point is, these guys are commentators, analysts, you know, announcers, and they're paid to call the matches. They're paid to sit there, watch the matches and call them. Dream job, by the way. Absolute tremendous job to have. But they couldn't even follow this match. <laughs> Excalibur, even though he talks a million miles per hour, Taz and JR, Tony Schiavone, legends of commentating and wrestling. I, I couldn't. I, actually, I don't even know if JR was out there anymore. I don't even remember if he was still out there for this match, but... I, they couldn't follow this match. There's no damn way I could follow it. So I'm not going to get into all the intricate details of this carnage. But this was a lot of fun. That's that's the first thing I want to get out. Because I, I've just been complaining nonstop. I've been bitching nonstop. Besides the Jade Cargill match and, of course, the Four Pillars World Heavyweight Championship bout, which I still believe should have closed the show, especially considering the finish of this match. Um, which is not going to send the fans home happy either way. Um, but now I'm hearing that the reason this closed out the show is because the carnage, it would leave, they, you know, they don't want to have the, the main event, you know, in a ring that's destroyed. The ring wasn't destroyed. It was dirty. There was stuff all over the place, but that's why you have the ring crew clean that shit up before the next match. <laughs> that's what they get paid to do. It's not hard. Uh, I mean, dude, uh, CM Punk and MJF had that crazy dog collar match where they were bleeding all over the place. And, and it, you know, that wasn't the main event. But anyway, um, let's start. Let's start with the entrances. Actually, let's go ahead and start there, um, because there is actually some controversy with uh, uh, the Blackpool Combat Club entrance themes because the band performed it live violent idols the name of the band the elite had their standard entrance you know with kansas you know carry on my wayward son and they they did their thing normal you know business as usual but the bcc had a live performance from violent idols who are not the original writers and performers of that particular song that's a classic song that goes way back in the day but um, it's been it's been uh, covered by many bands. They're just one of many many bands to cover that song. Um, and it's funny because actually, I I think Tony Khan <laughs> he bought the rights to like like three different versions of that song as well. I don't know if that's by accident or if that or if that was on purpose, um, to lease those songs for the entrance of John Moxley. But nonetheless, the lead singer of the band. <clears throat> he got controversy on Twitter. I, I did see that um, for for having blackface, apparently. Um, he was wearing a mask. It was an all-black mask. But what messed it up for him is I don't, I don't think it's the fact that he came out in an all-black mask. I think what messed it up <laughs> is that he, the fucking singer, drew lips on the mask, bro. Like, like, you know, bright red lips uh, on the mask. And I think if he didn't do that, if those lips weren't on that mask, it wouldn't there would be no controversy at all. And by the way, by the way, let me just say, I do not think 
that this band and the lead singer, I do not think he's racist. I don't think he had any racist intents with this get up. I just think he has a very, very poor sense of situational awareness and a poor sense of fashion as well. Because that look is just not appealing any way you slice it. You know, I mean, I get it if, you know, if, if his if wearing a mask is his gimmick, maybe I don't I don't know this band. I never seen this band before in my life prior to AEW. Um, they seem like really good guys, by the way, because I did go onto their Twitter page as well to see if they remarked on this controversy. And they did. They did. They gave explanations and they said, oh, you know, we're, we're not for racism at all. That was not the, the intention of my, my mask and my, my wardrobe, blah, blah, blah. They, 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 you know, they made their peace. But yeah, I, I just think this was just a case of this, this fucking guy not having any situational awareness. He's probably completely clueless. You know, he doesn't get it. Like, come on, bro. You know, that's not a, that's not a good look. It's very off-putting. You know, the black mask is one thing, but then you're going to draw big ass lips on it. <laughs> come on bro have some situational awareness be aware bro that's that's gonna rub some people the wrong way i mean it it rubbed me the wrong way and i'm not even black but it rubbed me the wrong way because it just it's just ugly you know he he looked dumb as hell it's off-putting but let's start there so uh blackpool combat club of course when they made their entrance all hell broke loose uh, they were fighting all over the stands. I mean, one of the Bucks, I don't know if it was Nick or Matt, they grabbed some dude's uh, uh, replica AEW title belt and he was waving it around. I thought that popped me really, really hard. I thought that was really funny. Um, another thing that popped me was when um, I think Brian Danielson, I don't know who it was that sl- that grinded Ryan Danielson down the rail. Um it looked so hilarious, man, like a high school fight, you know, like, a, a you know, some big dude uh, slamming some kid on a table and then grinding him across the table, you know, like, that's how that looked. It was so funny. I don't remember who did that to Brian Danielson. Um, and it's good to see Brian Danielson in action. I feel like it's been a while since I've actually seen Brian Danielson perform. Um, and he looks so happy, man. That's that's one thing. That's another takeaway from this. I got to say, like, when the match was over, um, which I'll get to in a second, when the after the finish and everything, Brian Danielson just was smiling from ear to ear, dog. He looks so happy and so pleased um, with the work he's doing in AEW. So... You know, take that, all the AEW haters who say, oh, Brian Danielson, look at him. He made the wrong decision. He's he's doing all this nonsense. But he looks fucking happy, personally. He looks really, really happy. So you love to see it. That that just made me, that put a smile on my face. Um, you know, just seeing Brian Danielson with a big smile on his. Um, at some point in the match, the the fight broke out into the the concession stands in the arena. I mean, people were going crazy. It was Claudio Castagnoli, um, and I don't know if it was one of the Bucks or I honestly don't remember. This this was all over the place. I mean, there was another another camera cut to a fucking pickup truck in the parking lot where uh, another. Two guys were fighting in the back of the pickup truck and one got slammed and everything. I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't remember who's who. This this match was absolute chaos and, and I'm here for it. I enjoyed it for what it is. 
you know, and I'm not even a fan of that hardcore stuff, but I enjoyed it. I, this was a lot of fun. You know, the band kept playing Wild Thing on repeat, just the same exact way they did it for the other Anarchy in the re- Arena match last year or the year before where they played it on the sound system on repeat, you know, until Jericho, uh, you know, cut the wire, you know what I mean? So the song could stop. Um, only this time the live band was playing it and then the Bucks super kicked the lead singer. Um, and I got to say the lead singer, even though he has a <laughs> a very questionable fashion sense and and definitely questionable sense of situational awareness, um, you know, get a clue, guy. But I got to say, he was really good here. He was really good. The way he took the super kick and the way he fell back, it looked like it looked like a movie. You know, like when a when a when somebody gets shot in a movie and they slowly fall back, it looks like in slow motion. That's how that food looked. <laughs> like he was falling in slow motion. It was perfect. And even one of his band members, I think his bass player started laughing, dude. Either his bass player or his guitarist, they were fucking laughing. It was so funny, man. It was really good. Really, really good. I enjoyed this, I gotta say. And again, I'm I'm not even big. I'm not even big on these type of matches, you know, with, with all the props and, and all the chaos. But it was fun. It was really fun. I'm not gonna nitpick this match at all because this is the kind of match where you just um you turn your brain off. You suspend your disbelief and you know, the, with the music playing and everybody going crazy, it was fun. It was a fun match. The crowd, um, now I can see a little bit where the criticism has been coming from uh, for the crowd as far as, you know, the audience being kind of lackluster, being kind of, you know, no showing any energy, no selling. Um, I could see that, um, you know, the thing is, guys, with AEW pay-per-views, they're really stacked and fully loaded pay-per-views. They're very tiring events. You know, I, I obviously I wasn't even there live. I just barely finished watching a replay of the show and I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted just from watching the replay. I can only imagine being there live for these long pay-per-views and sitting through all all these garbage matches that unfortunately appeared on this pay-per-view card in particular. Um because again, besides the four pillars match, besides the Jade Cargill match, and besides the main event, those three matches there. Besides those three matches, this pay-per-view was not good. This was a thumbs-down pay-per-view, you know, and I'm glad I didn't pay for it. (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now. I I mean, anybody listening that's like, oh, what a cheap-ass motherfucker. Like, you should be ashamed of yourself. Like, bro, I've spent so much of my hard-earned money on AEW, bro. I, I have AEW trading cards. I subscribe to the AEW crate that I get every every few months. I mean, I've bought in so many t-shirts. I bought coffee mugs. I have a Christian Cage coffee mug and a All Elite Wrestling coffee mug. I've bought in DVDs. I've gone to the shows and the shows that I haven't gone to, I've seen in theaters. So get the fuck out of here, man. I, I support AEW a lot. Um, I didn't order this pay-per-view because I'm actually kind of going through a financial slump right now because after tax season let's just say uh tax season did a number on me um you know y'all thought that uh jungle boy got his ass whooped by roosh 
<laughs> That's how the tax man whooped my ass. <laughs> exactly the way Roosh beat the brakes off a of Jungle Boy. That's what the tax man did to me. So that's why I didn't order the pay-per-view. I would have, but I, I just, I'm trying to save money right now because tax season really hurt Papa. But, um, but man, um, you know, I'm glad I didn't pay for it though. Even if I did have the money, if I did, if I paid for it, I would have been upset um, because I'm not going to spend 50 bucks for just three matches. You see what I'm saying? Like I, I see apologists online like, oh, Anybody complaining? You got your money's worth. You've seen chaos in the main event. The Four Pillars match was a classic, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's all fine and dandy, bro. But I don't, I'm not going to spend 50 bucks on just three matches. You know what I mean? This ain't a boxing event where you're fighting, you're, where you're watching a legitimate fight. You're watching a legitimate sport. This not, it's not boxing. This is, this is a, you know, a simulated sport. So I'm not going to fork out 50 bucks for just three good matches. The whole card better be a fucking banger if, if you're going to get 50 bucks out of me. You feel me? Um, and, I, and I did not get that from Double or Nothing. This was a three-match card, essentially, because every other match beyond that was not good. You know, um, and I gave reasons uh, reacting to each match. Um, I do commend... Everybody, the staff, the the cameramen, the, the the audio engineers, Tony Khan, and and all of I commend them for their efforts. Um, you know these 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 type of shows are not easy to produce. I get that. You know I'm just a nerd with a podcast and giving my thoughts and you know, but to actually do this type of work is tough. And I commend all of them for their efforts. Um, you know. It, it it could have been worse. It could have been worse. You know, I'll never forget the dud and the exploding barbed wire match. Or no, not an exploding barbed. Yeah, with Eddie Kingston and uh, not Eddie Kingston, John Moxley and Kenny Omega and the exploding barbed wire death match dud. You know, like I I would have been pissed off if I was there live <laughs> just to see sparklers pop off in the main event. <laughs> I see that every Fourth of July, bro. But uh. Nah, man, um, this Anarchy in the Arena match, like I said, very, very fun. I'm not going to say it was a good match. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say it was a fun match because that's what it was. It was a lot of fun. In the end, the Blackpool Combat Club reigned supreme by way of Takeshita, uh, Konosuke, K- <laughs> I can't say his name, Konosuke Takeshita. Coming in clutch, man. He was the masked man that came out and caused shenanigans leading the Blackpool Combat Club. Why did Wheeler Yuta get the pin, though? Why did Wheeler Yuta get the win here? That's what I want. I don't... See, like, it's, it's stuff like that. I don't understand Tony Khan's fascination with, like, guys like Orange Cassidy, guys like Wheeler Yuta, um, you know, guys like Dan Hawson. Like when he has studs like Will Hobbs, you feel me, and and Andrade, and Roosh, and Brian Cage, <laughs> to a lesser extent, Big Bill. Like he has bona fide studs that look like they could kill a man with their bare hands. But instead, Tony Khan has a boner for Orange Cassidy and Willer Yuta and Daniel Garcia. And Kyle O'Reilly and cats like that. I just don't get that, bro. I don't get that at all. Maybe he's living vicariously through these guys. 
You know, maybe Tony Khan wanted to be a wrestler and he, obviously he didn't become one. He became a booker instead, a promoter. And so he's living vicariously through these dorks, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is, though. Um, you know, Blackpool Combat Club, they take the win. Uh, hopefully this this rivalry is done and we can move on. I think Kenny Omega should be singles. I don't think he should be involved in multi-man matches anymore. He should be big in the singles division. Um, I know there has been reports that Kenny Omega is still pretty banged up, even though he had taken an extended time off to heal and go through surgery and different things. Um, if he wasn't ready to come back, he shouldn't have came back. I'm going to just put it like that point blank. You know what I mean? Kenny Omega is sorely needed in the singles division right now, especially after the four pillars match with MJF. Who the hell is next for MJF? See, if Kenny Omega was in the singles division, he's working baby right now. He's a baby face, so he's perfect. He would be a perfect next contender for MJF. But I don't think I don't see how that can happen when he just lost this big match and it's and he's involved with the elite in the trios division. Um, you know, so that's that's just another example of AEW's current woes. But we'll have to see what happens, guys. AEW Dynamite popping off tomorrow as of this recording. It's 11.34 p.m. I got to take my ass to bed so I could go to work tomorrow. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be back to talk about Dynamite. See how that goes. And AEW Double or Nothing clo in closing. Um, I'm not going to give this show a thumbs down. But I'm not going to give this show a thumbs up. Um, you know, for this type of show, I, w I would have to give it a a number rating. I don't usually do that. I usually do either it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down. But this show is tricky because the bulk of the pay-per-view was not good. But for the, the good matches that it did have, they were fucking really, really good. So it's difficult for me to just flat out say, oh, AEW Double or Nothing was a thumbs down. It's, it's difficult. Because I don't want to take nothing away from the anarchy in the arena, the four pillars match, Jade Cargill and Chris Statlander having her big moment, her big return. I don't want to take nothing away from them. So if I have to give this a rating, I would say this pay-per-view was like a, a, like a six, like a six, man, you know, a six out of 10, um, so, because everything was pretty mediocre except for the three matches that I mentioned. And if I paid for it, I, I would want a refund, though. <laughs> Just because I'm broke as fuck. <laughs> hey. um, guys, don't forget to tip your waitresses. Please tip your Lyft drivers. And I, as I always say, I, I look, I'm messing up my own tagline here to close the show. And as I always say, live life on cruise control because sometimes you get farther when you take it slow. I'm out.